It's time I told the truth. It's time I was honest with you and and, and really came clean. Yeah, I think that before the end of this year, 2017, it's time for me to stop representing myself as something which I'm not. Time for me to just come out from behind the shadow and let you see me the way I am when I don't have any guard up when I'm not trying to gain advantage out of the way in which I portray myself when I'm not even trying to 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 be straight with you and I think you deserve it I think you really do you are I mean you don't deserve it because of you know, the way you've treated me. You don't deserve it because of the way you treated other people. But the way you treat other people and the way you treat me, that's your business, it's none of my business. No, but as far as I'm concerned, you deserve it because you're a human being and human beings deserve the truth. Yeah, so here goes, here goes, and just especially for you. I want to be straight. Okay, here's here's how, how this year is right now for me. Oh dear. Crap. Utter, unadulterated crap. I feel shite. I feel bloody awful. Disgracefully awful dejectedly miserable. I'm going to get worse. Yeah, I can feel it. Okay, to a certain extent it's a cold. But it's the feeling in the bones underneath the cold. It's that sensation of... of ache. Excuse me. <coughs> <coughs> I'm not going to disguise it. I'm not going to put my hand up to my mouth and hold back and try to minimize the crud. My chest is tight. And I swallow in air. It catches and it causes me to cough. And the worst part is that I don't feel like getting out of this bed. I didn't feel like... I went out last night to a party. I'm very glad I went. But all the time I was there, I was getting worse. I didn't have any energy. And I know my normal level of energy, if you like. And I had about 40%. Now I'd say I have 15% of my normal energy today. I got the curtains open at the bottom of the bed. I'm alone in the house except for Puma. And Puma's got food downstairs in the kitchen, so I don't have to worry about him. 
and the summer is up in the stables and I have nothing to do with summer. I'm sure summer is fine. Paul is not fine. Oh yeah, Paul would like to be a different person. Yeah, that's one of the things I have that impulse to be, to have energy, to have, to be clever, to be smart, to be able to draw on all of the mistakes I've made in my life in order to uh, use them all and uh, put them to a purpose. There's no purpose to how I'm feeling. Just, and I'm not yet miserable. I mean, that's the other thing. It is going to get worse. That's it. Really. As I said before, I'm getting worse. And I thought to myself about 20 minutes ago, I thought, well, you can do a lot of things while you're getting worse. You can just get worse or you can seek out some company while you're getting worse. So while you're a shitty company, you can seek out some company. And uh, I thought, well, there's a handy thing. There's this guy over there in California, and he's interested in some things I'm interested in, and he's got loads of experience in that area. And, um, you know, his name is Renati, and he's got some Irish blood and all those sort of things. And I thought, well, look, it won't hurt him if I listen to him. Yeah, it isn't going to drag him down if I listen to him while I'm dragging down. So I thought, well, look, let me find his podcast. I sort of knew it was somewhere. So I did, I, I found it and, and I, uh, and that's when I heard all about the beekeepers who play Shakespeare. So, you know, I'm not saying that the beekeepers who play Shakespeare has cheered me up, gave me a little chuckle, I have to admit, especially because they came into the podcast kind of by accident. In fact, there never was a plan for what, where this podcast was going to. But I could go round and round and round because really all I'm doing is exercising my mouth. I still haven't got out of bed. I will have to get up in a minute and go to the loo. But I, 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 I there's nothing to be said really except just, uh, I'm going to put it on again because I want it to be handy and, you know, if you want to, if you want to know about beekeepers, then you have to listen to what happens next. And um, I can tell you, I don't feel any better having listened to Ray Renati. No, I'm getting worse and worse, but I don't feel so alone. I was looking forward to chronicling the descent into misery, well, to chronicling my descent into misery or my further descent into miserableness.
into a place where I'm almost only able to cough the consequences. And it's proved impossible. You see, the worst thing you can do if you want to be in touch with misery and you have absolutely no wish to be absolved from awfulness and if you have no desire to resurrect yourself from the bed or any such metaphor to just bury yourself in your to be buried by your feelings the worst thing you can possibly do is listen to people on anger I mean I blame Ray Renati and whatever the name of that woman who I listened to chatting with him that sort of began to lift my mood I listened to it for so long I had to get out of bed after it and then I can't remember who else I listened to oh yes 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 it's absolutely fatal I guarantee you if you want to be low to listen to Tim Araneta as he finds people singing even if you don't care for their voices the very fact that you're immersed in melody that kind of lifts your mood and then Positively, the worst thing I could have done was listen to the great everything, Patrick, and chance upon the factory of nothingness, and to chance upon something that, despite my resistance, lifted my spirits. And all of this is by way of complaining that I'm unable to chronicle what I thought would be fairly unusual. In fact, the only person who I've really come across who's chronicled their pain in a way that has held my attention has been Scotlow, who back in the days before he found a relief from his pain every single day suffered excruciatingly and described himself walking round his kitchen in the figure of his, uh, of ease long before he was able to walk I was going to say eight kilometers I don't think he ever got that far but I thought I was going to be able to join him and to walk in his moccasins and even Georgie D well she proved incapable of sustaining her discomfort to put it mildly but to, to sustain her deli, I'm going to call it a deli belly because that's where I first heard about it. But, excuse me. <coughs> <coughs> See, I had developed an instinctive um, effort to spare you the full sound of my coughing. Yeah, that's the trouble with Anchor, you see. I found also that the more I've talked on Anchor, the better I felt, meaning the more relieved of disgruntlement I felt. So I think if I was really to to do it again, descend like Dante into the inferno and go down layer after layer after layer to, towards the core of it,
And that's what I had in my mind, you see, the descent into hell. Reminded me in some way of my own poem, Irish epic poem in 33 cantos, available in Kindle store, price 9.99. My version of Dante's Inferno. Oh, yes, who said all that stuff now? Yes. But anyway, back to the key point of um, avoid anger if you want to be miserable and communicate about it. I didn't think I'd be going out today. No, when I spoke earlier today, I said that I didn't want to do anything today. I'm sure I said something like that. But I, I am going out. I've dressed. I put clothes on me. Put an extra layer underneath. And it's not cold, really. I'm just feeling sorry for myself. And I'm going to buy some logs. But the thing that really got me out of the house more than anything else is that my wife sent me a message. She'll be back later on today. And said, you know, maybe what you should have is chicken soup. And you know, well, what does chicken soup mean to you? Does it mean chicken soup for the soul? And that incredibly successful series. But what does chicken soup mean? Never mind anything else. For me, it means the East End of London. I lived in the East End of London for a good few years. And chicken soup is always something I've associated with Jewish people. A lot of Jewish people in the East End of London. I lived uh, for one stage. My first experience was living just down the road from Stamford Hill, um, but actually on Stoke Newington. Lordship Road, Lordship Road, and across the road was a synagogue, a Hasidic Jewish synagogue, and on Friday evenings people would arrive at the synagogue uh, for service, any, well, service is probably the wrong word, but for gathering, and, uh, and they would, uh, they, they would be the people with the, the long, um, dark uh, frock coats, the men, the hats, the curls, and <coughs> the women, many of whom wore wigs. And they were the people who on Saturdays would walk alongside the, um, the water of the reservoir. Because, as you probably know, um, um, some uh, Jewish people um, don't do any work of any kind on a Saturday, on the Sabbath. But walking alongside, oh, I am just being beat, alongside the reservoir was a, a good thing to do. So, I heard somewhere, well, I know that, for example, chicken liver, chicken liver pate, chicken liver, chicken soup, um, lots of other things too. Smoked salmon bagels. I associate. Some of you put me right or wrong if I got the association wrong, but and uh, I, you know, I started off being fascinated uh, by people I'd never seen anybody dressed like that or look like that in Ireland. 
it's the clothing of, I understand, uh, came from Poland, I believe. May have also come from Russia. But uh, mid-19th century Russia, uh, Polish uh, clothing. Svi will know the answer to this. But I think, anyway, to cut a long uh, meander uh, short, I associate chicken soup with Jewish people. And I haven't had it often enough. And today, if I can find it, I'm not going to make it, which, of course, is what I should be doing. I should be getting a chicken carcass, and I should be adding onions and garlic and carrots and thyme and bay leaf. What else should I be adding to it? Peppercorns. And I should be simmering that for six, seven, eight hours. I should be straining the fat off it. And I should be drinking that because that's maybe with barley added. I'm trying to remember. Well, it's too long, and back in Ireland, I don't feel myself having the impulse that I had in London to cook. London was the heyday of my cooking. <clears throat> it was once upon a time the way in which I always tried to find favour with people towards whom I felt attracted, either individually or in groups. I would think nothing of playing with, that's how I thought of it as, playing with food for six, seven, eight hours, going to market, but actually fiddling with the ingredients making a terrible mess with pots and pans in the kitchen. I, I never was very good at cleaning up as I went along. I never was very good at setting the table, as far as I was concerned. I brought the food to the table. People could find their own knife and fork on the center. The main thing was to have food, something to drink, and the conversation. Sometimes music, but usually the conversation. Yeah, that was what it was all about. I enjoyed nothing more than a day cooking. So, chicken soup. I used to make stock, you see, and I'd... You know, you'd go to the butcher in those days, and... In those days, I seem to remember, the butcher would give you... Uh, would give you bones for free. You didn't have to pay for bones. Or you'd buy a piece of meat and you'd say, look, will you throw me in the bones? And the butcher would throw you in the bones. So you'd shove the bones on a, in a tray of some sort. Maybe with some garlic and maybe nothing else really at this stage. And you'd turn the oven up very, very high temperature and you'd roast the bejesus out of it. Then you'd turn it down and you'd cook the bones and then after a while you'd put the bones in a pot. That's what I remember anyway. You'd cover it with water and that might be stock for Saturday.
I might be doing that on Thursday. And it was a kind of ritual, really. And the last thing I ever wanted to do was to throw something together at the last minute. And also, I never wanted to cook the same thing twice. I'd always, whenever anybody came to dinner, um, I, I, it would always be something I hadn't cooked before. And I never kept score, like I never had any concept of, oh look, I invited them to dinner, it's their turn to invite me to dinner. I never ever got that concept into my head on, I, I don't really even have it today, but I do know some people who do have it, who have this notion about whose turn it is whose turn it is to, I don't know, it's their turn to come to us, it's our turn to go to them. That idea never crossed my mind. It's only when I came in contact with some people who thought like that, that it ever distracted me. Um, but that's just the way I was brought up. Um, so yeah, food, chicken soup, I'm, I'm going to Middleton, which has got about nine, ten thousand people, maybe not even ten. Outside Cork City. It's warm in the car. Probably the best thing I, I, I want to... We have two fires. One is a ordinary fire in a fire grate. Bernie Goldback will know what this is. I don't know if people in the United States know what a fireplace is. Place you put briquettes and a fire lighter and some um, some pieces of uh, kindling wood, put logs on top of it and you put coal on top of that. And then we have a stove, one of these uh, things you enclose the wood burning stove. Well it burns uh, coal as well. We sell them like the two of them. One's in the front room and the other's in the back room if you like. But I feel like lighting both of them today. But I haven't got any coal left, not enough. And I haven't got enough logs. So if I can get more logs, I can have two fires, otherwise it'll just be one. It'll be touch and go. So I've got my logs. I've got my kindling pack. And I've got coal. I've got 40 kilo bag of coal. I've got six um, 10 kilo bags of kiln-dried beech logs and all of that cost me 53 euros. So I guess I'm thinking that that might be 60 dollars for that. Um, yeah, they give you six um, bags of logs for the price of five. And fortunately, big strong man, probably from Eastern Europe. I didn't catch the all of the accent. I can't tell if he was uh, Polish or Lithuanian or Latvian. I wasn't able to distinguish we have a good a good number of Polish people um, in Ireland. 
small number of Latvians, Estonians, Lithuanians. I'm suddenly reminded of the Latvian hairdresser that cut my hair once and told me of how he got from Latvia to Cork. It was a big, long, big story in its own right. To try and remember that story, it involved being smuggled in, landing in Dublin, staying in Dublin for a while, and then coming to Cork, and then settling in Cork. So I'm driving around the roundabout in the entrance to Middleton. Bernie Goldback, you remember Middleton. Have you been to the distillery? The, the um, distillery in Middleton. Yeah, the Jemison Distillery in Middleton. One of the big, I suppose you'd call it tourist attractions in Cork. Yeah, you can, you can taste uh, whiskey. W-H-I-S-K-E-Y. I have to try to remember that Irish whiskey is spelt, well I know that Irish whiskey is spelt one way, Scotch whiskey is spelt another way. Do I really want to go into this store? I do, yeah, because I, I don't feel like driving all the way back to Cork to go to the Super Value in Glanmire. 32 kilometers from Fermoy. Dry day, by the way. Grey blanket of cloud above. Once upon a time, 2015, this one, the best supermarket in Ireland for food safety and hygiene. You see, they put winner, best supermarket in Ireland 2005 in big letters. And then when you're alert enough, you look and you see in small letters for food safety and hygiene. Now, if they were really proud of their food safety and hygiene, wouldn't they be putting food safety and hygiene in big letters? All these smart, fast... <clears throat> Tricks. Everybody is suspicious these days. Everybody's suspicious. How to be genuinely attractive in business. Genuinely attractive. <laughs> that, by the way, is the business the subtitle of Business Jazz Podcast. Okay, into the supermarket now. In search of chicken soup. And other stuff. I don't want to get out of this car. It's 27 minutes past midnight here in Ireland and I'm lying on my back in bed. And I'm going to close down shortly, although I'm going to read a bit more out of Fallout, A Year of Political Mayhem by Tim Shipman, best-selling author of All Out War. Yeah, great, great story about, about UK politics, particularly inside um, the, the government's, uh, the government. So what was I going to say? Yes, I am far from uh, better. I'm not recovering.
recovered. I've had a a day where I've been fortunate that I haven't had to do very much. And I've got through it. And for those of you who have been kind enough to offer me some company during the day, I'm more grateful than usual for it. And um, thank you ever so much. And uh, carry on. Carry on. I wish you all very, thank goodness there's more time before we get another year.